Hello, how are you? Welcome to the Kate Languages Summer 2023 Replay Series. <laughs> this summer, between seasons four and five, I'm re-releasing some of my favourite ever podcast episodes that I think are well worth a re-listen. From my top tips for saving time to classroom management, the new GCSE and teacher wellbeing and burnout via some of the best conversations I've had over the past few years with some absolutely incredible educators. I hope you enjoy listening to these episodes again and get lots of great ideas and inspiration from them. Hi, this is the Kate Languages podcast and in today's episode I'm going to be chatting all by myself again, don't have anybody with me this time. Um, I'm going to be talking about basically how I make resources um, and how I kind of came to uh, be doing that. So I actually have had quite a few emails and messages recently. I don't know if this is indicative of lots of people wanting to leave teaching and wondering um, what to do, um, or just a general interest in yeah, kind of how I set up my website, how I came to the decisions about certain things to do with my resources, you know, even from like why I use Word documents, for example, and things like that. So I just thought, do you know what, this could be a really useful podcast episode as this is what I do. But also, even if you're not thinking of leaving teaching, because I'm sure there's plenty of people who really love it and and aren't thinking of leaving. But at the end of the day, everybody needs you know as a teacher you need to make resources um it's part of your job even if you follow a textbook pretty religiously you will still need to make your own resources because the textbook cannot be absolutely perfect for every single student in your class so either you're going to need to scaffold um, the weaker students or you're going to need to create things that will extend the more able students so yeah so hopefully there'll be some um, useful things that I'm going to be talking about this is so I'm going to be more talking about kind of how what I do and how I do it um, and hopefully from that you'll be able to 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 think of things that you can then apply to your own um, situation so as an MFL teacher, obviously I do resources in a certain way and the way that I talk about how I do it will hopefully also be useful for people at different key stages, so for primary and also for um, different subjects as well. So um, yeah, as always, I love to get your feedback. So um, you can contact me at Kate Languages on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can email kate at katelanguages.co.uk and yeah, just generally get in touch. And if you do enjoy my free content, then you can always go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Kate Languages to show me your support. So to start with a bit of background about how I came to actually writing resources. So uh, I mean, I've talked about this in other episodes, particularly the teacher wellbeing and burnout episode of like my, uh, what, you know, what happened um, in terms of when I finished teaching and then set up by myself. So when I was deciding what to do, when I realised that I wasn't going to go back into the classroom, um, at least for quite a long time, I, so my, my thought was actually to do private tuition, which I still do. So yeah, so that was, that was actually the focus of what I wanted to do. 
and I realised I needed to set up some kind of internet presence because uh, otherwise how do people know that you're there and available for tutoring? So I set up a website. Now I say I set up a website. I'm exceptionally lucky in that my stepmom has a web design business at Brown Hen, if anybody is interested. Um, so she did my website for me, which obviously financially was a lot easier for me if you're setting up on your own and you need to pay somebody to set up a website then that is a big outlay that I mean you know for me it's definitely it'd be fine it's absolutely worth it um the amount of money I've made back from my resources um would absolutely cover that um but you cannot guarantee that you know how much money you're going to make obviously so yeah so I mean I would recommend that you use a professional if you know if funds allow basically my website is uh i well we we use wordpress i couldn't tell you exactly how to start with a wordpress website what i do know is that after my stepmom set it up for me and showed me the ropes i have found it really easy to maintain my website um i find it really easy to add blog posts to add products and we actually completely redid the website um gosh over a year ago now so the end of 2020 beginning of 2021 we completely relaunched the website and again she did the majority of the work and i kind of worked with her and gave her ideas and stuff but she did kind of all the techie stuff so I'm not in the best position to tell people how to like the techie part of <laughs> setting up a website but um yeah so 100% would say setting up a website is really really useful and I know quite a lot of other of my like online Instagram friends have got their own websites that they do and I don't know which um whether they use WordPress as well or whether they use other ones and they have blogs and they put their resources on there etc so um yeah there are there are lots of platforms available on which you can set up websites and and run them so yeah so I actually set up my website and then I did a Facebook page and then I set up uh, Twitter and Instagram accounts all in the same name which I think has been invaluable because I can just say I am Kate Languages which has also been useful when I've got married because I've changed my surname but it doesn't really matter because <laughs> I'm still Kate Languages uh, so that's quite handy but yeah so try to find something that you can use across all the platforms and that is easy to remember like I think people know my name and um, it's really easy to remember as well so uh, yeah so I set up the website for tuition and the Facebook page and all that so that so people would have somewhere to come to see you know sort of, and somewhere I could direct them for to get more information uh, for tuition and then I was a member of Facebook groups and started to really kind of interact a lot more with them and read a lot more of the kind of things that people were asking for. I've got to say as well, this was at a really useful time because it was, so the current GCSE was first teaching 2016, first examination 2018. And I was doing this five years ago, which is 2017. So that was right bang in the middle of 
when people were starting to teach a new GCSE, but there weren't any GCSE past papers. And I knew from previous jobs that I'd done that I'm actually quite good at um, creating exam style questions, exam style resources and things like that. And I remember seeing on one of the Facebook groups, someone said, oh, has anyone got a bank of writing questions for the new GCSE? And I thought, well, I could make one of those. Uh, So I did. And that's how I got into writing resources, basically. And it all went from there. And I actually started, I did the French one first. I wrote writing so for the AQA because that was that's the exam board that I knew from the last job that I was doing we taught AQA so I started with that and I went through foundation and the higher what the different types of GCSE questions would be so I looked at the sample exam papers I looked at the topics and I just went through each topic and wrote an exam style question for each topic for each type of question so the sort of photos for the um 40 words 90 words 150 words and translations and i put them all together in a big workbook and i put them for free on my website and loads of people downloaded them and they were like already <laughs> were really popular um, and then i got some really good feedback from some people somebody said you need to brand these which i didn't do for quite a long time but again i think that's really really useful so it doesn't matter if you're giving them away for free or if you're selling them you need to have your name i have a logo that i put on all of my resources for example now so and then somebody then also said oh could you do model answers so i was like okay fine i'll write some model answers for these and at that point, I then thought, mm, this is you know quite a lot of work and I'll see if anybody wants to buy them. So I then put them on my website to sell and was really shocked that people actually like spending money on these. Uh, and at the same time, I then started putting them on TES.com and they were really popular there as well. And then I translated the French ones into Spanish and German. So again, I think this is something where I'm really lucky in that I can actually do all three languages all three I mean I know there are other languages but you know the the main MFL uh, languages taught in England at least are French German and Spanish so and I can do all three and I think that's been really really helpful and I know particularly German teachers are so happy that I also do everything in German so yeah so I I translated them into French and uh, sorry from French into Spanish and German and people started to buy them on my website and then but it wasn't actually a, an e-commerce website at the time it was so I oh, I don't know I worked out how to put a PayPal link and things like that and I was I was actually because I didn't think anybody would buy them I didn't think of automating it right so I remember literally like emailing the 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 word documents to people so every time somebody would buy them I would email it manually to them at which point I, when I started to realise people were buying these, I was like, right, I need, I need to automate these somehow. And so again, with my stepmom together, uh, we set up the e-commerce part of my website. And that uses WooCommerce on WordPress. And again, I've had no problems with it. I find it really easy. Um, and yeah, um, that's been really easy to, to set up. So uh, that's what I use for that. So hopefully that's a useful insight into how I actually progressed from, you know, thinking about, right, I'm going to do some resources and how I actually got them onto my website. 
Uh, and like I say, alongside that, I did put them on TES. I did try Teachers Pay Teachers for a while, but I think it's a bit more American focused. And uh, I don't know. I don't even um, I don't even know if I've still got an account on there. I think I've probably shut it down. I don't think I made any money at all. But yeah, I still I still have stuff on TES. I don't actually update it as much as I should. So there's more stuff on my website now than there is on there. But I still, you know, make a fair amount of money from there which is quite nice, it's like an, an extra little bonus, a couple hundred quid now and then. So yeah, so that's how I got to actually creating um, an e-commerce website. And now I would say my resources and my tuition are fairly evenly balanced in terms of my income. Obviously the resources, once they're there, it is passive income, which is the holy grail, especially when you're self-employed of basically you're getting income, you've done the work, you're getting income and once somebody has paid you, that's it, like you don't really need to do anything else. Um, I mean, people send me emails and I, you know, I help them and I, I give them advice on the resources and stuff like that, but um, the majority of people will just buy them and download them and, you know, that's it. And <laughs> um, so like I say, the, the holy grail of passive income. But yeah, I then I wanted to talk as well about how I actually go about creating my resources. So as I said, for these first ones, these GCSE writing um, workbooks, which I've got to say, by the way, that French writing workbook is still my most popular, like the one that I have sold the most uh, copies of. I think it was over 2000 last time I checked, which is just insane. Anyway. Um, so yeah, so that came from kind of what, you know, looking at Facebook groups and seeing the kind of thing, kinds of things that people were asking for and wanted, um, which then led me to creating the, um, speaking booklets of the role play and photo card separate booklets. I never did a general conversation booklet and that was more of a, I don't know if I want to say like a moral reason <laughs> rather than anything practical in that I just like when you look at the exam you're not meant to like know the kids aren't meant to know what questions you're asking you're not meant to like prepare the questions in advance and I just felt like if I created a bank of questions with model answers that people could basically just buy and learn off by heart I felt it was slightly against what the um, exam board's were wanting people to do so that's yeah that was my um my reasoning behind that and I've I've had quite a few people ask me why I haven't done them and there you go that's why but the yeah, photo card and role play I felt were good for practice because then obviously the example sends you the the photo cards and role plays so you just have to do what they tell you uh, I've got to say with role plays as well I try to make them as bonkers as the um as the actual exam board ones and I couldn't like my brain is far too logical <laughs> Like I just, yeah, anyway, anyone who's taught them will know they're absolutely bonkers. Uh, so yeah, but so again, I just went through all of the topics and um, created, like I say, slightly as bonkers as possible, but no, I mean, role plays and photo cards to practice as closely as possible to what I saw from the specimen papers and what I thought the exams could be like, so that students would have the opportunity to practice a photo card and a role play from every single topic on the AQA and then I've done an Edexcel photo card but never quite got around to doing the Edexcel role plays but they're not that dissimilar so I figured like people can buy the AQA ones and then just you know change them around a little bit they're not too different. The way that I've created these ones the GCSE ones I would always say 
with everything, with all my resources, I start from the end. What am I doing? Who are they for? Why am I doing them? And then kind of work backwards from that. So as I've been saying with the GCSE ones, the need, the why is it was a new specification without any exam papers. And I mean, God, we didn't know what was going to be happening with COVID and the pandemic and everything. And the fact that there still aren't that many papers for them, for people to work from. But yeah, so to have a bank of, of, of writing questions and speaking questions that people could practice, that students could practice and work from, and the model answers to have a bit of an idea of like what you could be producing. And yeah, so starting from the end there, using, as I've talked about, the sample exam papers, because that's all I had at my disposal at the time, this was even before the 2018 exam. Um, so yeah, there's literally just the specimen papers and specifications. And I went through all the topics, all the different themes within the topics, went through the themes and the topics within the themes. I think the themes are a bit, it's a bigger one, isn't it? And the vocabulary lists as well. So I generally, I generally just use a PDF. I'm just trying to think whether I've printed them off or not. I think when I did the B, so I, I then also did BBC Bite Size French, which really, really helped in my mind to consolidate what was needed for the GCSE um, and also really helped me with working out how to make resources. And I've got to say, I haven't, like, nothing is the same on. So all the questions I wrote for BBC Bite Size, I wrote them specifically for BBC Bite Size. I didn't copy and paste anything from my resources and I haven't taken anything from BBC Bite Size to put in my resources. So in that end, in itself was a little bit of a challenge because they were quite similar, but obviously I had to do them slightly differently. So yeah, anyway, so looking at the exam questions, um, if we take, I don't know, the 40 word question, for example, Actually, that was quite a hard one because the 40-word questions on the on the specimen papers tended to be a bit more general. So it'd be like, talk about food, hobbies, free time. I don't know, like, whereas I was trying to do it specifically for each topic. So, yeah, that, that was a bit harder. Um, but, yeah, looking at the types of questions that, they, that they'd be asking looking at the vocabulary so and, and again when it came to writing the model answers I relied quite heavily on the vocab lists because I just thought well I'm not going to start writing stuff that's above and beyond or like totally you know different to the kinds of things that students are expected to know at GCSE and also bearing in mind I've got a roughly 10 years experience of teaching GCSE so I know the kind of language that kids um, that are in textbooks and that are in the vocab um, you know the specification vocab lists and the kinds of things that kids are expected to come up with so you know that was yeah so all those things combined I would then sit down and create a question and the model answer and that's another thing I do with my resources as well which hopefully makes them fairly accurate and um, makes I don't know hopefully this is one of the things that people really like about them I always provide answers I swear it's one of the most annoying things. Like, I don't mind if they're free because I'm like, okay, fine. If I'm downloading something for free, I'll work out the answers myself. If you are paying for a resource, you need to provide answers. Like, I don't know. It just seems like a really obvious thing to me. Um, I'm aware that there are people out there who charge extra for their answers, which I find bizarre. Uh, I just think if you are creating a workbook that has answers then you 
provide the answers. So that's one thing that I've always done. And I actually start with the answers. Once I'd done my GCSE ones, I then moved on to uh, Key Stage 3 booklets, which I based on exam style questions. So I was doing very similar things because I'm really aware that a lot of people like to teach exam style questions from GC, uh, in Key Stage 3. So GCSE style questions in Key Stage 3. I've also done a podcast episode about that, about my ideas about that, if you want to listen to that as well. Okay, so with my Key Stage 3 ones, Again, I looked at the type of GCSE style questions, what could be simplified for Key Stage 3, and I took it from there. So again, I went through all the different topics. What are the topics that are in the GCSE? How can you simplify them for Key Stage 3? So I've even done Key Stage 3 booklets on social issues, you know, poverty, homelessness, um, the environment, the global issues like the environment, um, things like that. And looking at some of the key vocabulary, simple phrases, and how to simplify them down to key stage three. So that was, again, starting from the end. What do I want to do? What do I want to achieve with these booklets? Who are they for? Why am I doing them, etc. So yeah, so then I start with the answers. So I write the booklet, and I always write the answers as well, okay? Because I think it's the For me, it's just the easiest way of doing it because then I know that the answers are all there. I know that I'm not writing, I don't know, um, something, I don't know, where it's like match up the vocab A, B, C, D, E, one, two, three, four, five, and then they don't actually match up or you haven't got the the right thing. If you write the answers first, you know that it's all there and it all matches up and it's all fine. So that's a tip that I I don't know whether other people do that. And again, if you're not providing answers, you're not actually doing that. And it's a lot easier to make mistakes. So, yeah, so that's my that's my number one thing. I start with the answers. So I write the questions and I do the answers at the same time. I always do the answers in blue. So I write in black and I do the answers in blue. I do I do everything on, straight onto the computer. Although, having said that, I did like for the listening booklets that I've written, I went through all of the French, German and Spanish GCSE, again, just AQA, I think, I don't think I did LXL, listening papers, uh, whatever I had available at the time. And I wrote down every single style of question, what questions, so like, was it, I don't know, true, false questions, how many of them there were, what types of things were included etc and then I worked out how to do the listing booklets from there so that they would resemble the exams as closely as possible although again I am not capable of making them as bonkers as the exam board can make them so yeah but yeah so I do all that I, I did all that by hand that's all like scribbled in a notebook but most of what I do is straight onto the computer because I can see it more clearly and I find it easier to do that I don't know some people might write everything by hand and then type it up onto the computer so yeah, so if, I don't know, for example, if I'm doing a, a reading task, I will write the text and then I will do, I'll think of a question, you know, and as well, I'll look at the, the text and just think, does this lend itself to true false questions? Does this lend itself to questions in, in the foreign language? Does it lend itself to questions in English? Uh, you know, all, all the different styles of questions again going through all the reading papers, working out the kinds of questions that they're asking, how to incorporate them into uh, my resources as well. And then I will write the answers so that it actually, I know that there is an answer and it's not 
you know, it, it, that it makes sense. So, yeah, so I do that. And like with the translations, I'll do that. Um, and I always do model answers for the writings, etc. And actually, I find even with the photo cards or with the photo you know the the photo in the in the AQA foundation writing where you have to write four sentences sometimes I will have found what I think is a brilliant photo online and then put it in the resource and try to write four sentences about it and think oh this is actually really hard for me as a fluent speaker of the language to write four sentences about so it's going to be hard for a foundation GCSE student or for a key stage three student to write about so uh, yeah, no, that's not the right picture. And then I'll actually go back and choose a different picture and find a different picture. Talking about pictures, I have uh, three websites that I use. I use Pixabay, Unsplash and Pexels. They're the three websites I tend to use. Pixabay and Unsplash, I'd say I probably use more. Don't know why. Um, I just do. They're the websites that I use and they are royalty-free photos. So again, you need to be really aware that you're not using copyrighted material and copyrighted photos. Um, uh, yeah, so that's just a tip on that as well. I have actually written a blog post on creating uh, resources and all the links. I'll put a link in the show notes to my blog post because then I've got a link to all the... Um, on the websites that I use and a bit more about copyright and stuff like that as well because you do have to be really really careful okay so yeah so I, I'll write all the answers then what I do is I copy and paste the entire document and then I go back through the first half of the document and I delete all the answers and then and then I might like draw lines in or you know do, do whatever I need to do and because I've written all the answers in blue it's really quick and easy to check them through and um, to delete them so, um, yeah, so then I've got my document ready. I often print it off or um, I, but I always, always check it through at least once or twice, sometimes even more. I went through a phase of having my resources checked by native speakers and in the nicest possible way, it didn't help. People have actually come back to me and told me there are, there are mistakes in documents that have been checked by native speakers. And I was paying these people to do it. So I was like, well, this is a waste of my money. I'm just going to check them through myself. And then if there are mistakes, I will take the responsibility for that. Or it will be things that I don't know are mistakes because I'm not a native speaker of French, German or Spanish. I'm just an English person who's learned those languages. Um, and actually, <laughs> I don't think I've had any complaints about mistakes since I stopped getting native speakers to proofread them so I don't know I mean I think it's probably just a coincidence so so yeah so I will print them off and check them through or I will just check them through on the computer I think it depends so at the moment I'm writing a series of resources that I'm calling mastering the basics and I've done so far I've done numbers one to twelve I've done days of the week and I'm currently working on months of the year so they're very 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 simple language and I'm just checking that I've got everything. And also, because I always do it, in, usually do it in French first and translate into German and Spanish, I then need to check, like, have I actually translated <laughs> everything that I need to translate? Have I changed the word French to Spanish? Like, when it says, write the numbers in French. Like, have I changed that to Spanish? 
or German, whatever, um, things like that. So yeah, I, I find printing them off and reading them through on a physical piece of paper is better for me to check them through. But as I'm saying, with a Mastering the Basics one, because it is quite simple and straightforward and they're much shorter booklets, uh, I tend to just do them online. So yeah, thinking about those booklets, so um, like I said, I'm doing months at the moment. That's quite an easy one because there are 12 months, you just do that. One that I'm going to do in the future is animals. So I need to think about which animals I'm going to include. Okay, and this also is relevant for when you're planning your lessons, when if you're a head of department, you're planning your schemes of work. If you've got a textbook, it's easier because they tend to just tell you which animals to include. But if you want to have some autonomy over what you're teaching, or if you want the, the kids to maybe learn some slightly more interesting different animals, then yeah, you might want to think about which animals to include. So as this is mastering the basics, this is aimed at the kind of low literacy, lower ability, SEND kind of pupils. It, the kinds of pupils who might look at a textbook page and just be totally overwhelmed by how much writing is on there or look at traditional knowledge organisers or other types of resources that people will create, even my own key stage three booklets, and will just look at, just see lots of words in foreign and just blank and just not want to engage at all. Um, someone has also pointed out to me these booklets are going to be really useful for um, students who might be removed into whatever you call them, isolation rooms or whatever, um, detention, things like that because they, they won't need too much input, because they're really very, very basic and simple. Okay, so, like I say, months is easy, because there are 12 months. Animals, I need to think about how many animals I'm going to include. So I'm thinking probably 10 to 12. Am I just going to include pets? Am I going to include the gender of the animal? Am I going to just include ones that are similar to English words? Am I going to include ones that are different to English words? Um, I actually, when I was thinking about this, I thought, oh, in the new GCSE, they've got the top, yeah, the way they're doing it is with the vocab list, isn't it? So the top, like, 1,200 or 1,700 words. So I looked, this is um, February 2022. I actually looked at the what they've published so far. There aren't any animals on the list. So I don't know if that means that students aren't expected to know any animals by the time they do GCSE, which I find weird. So I don't really understand this new GCSE. Uh, anyway, so that didn't help. <laughs> I thought that might help, but it hasn't. So then I just think, OK, well, what animals? I don't know. Are you going to do pets? Are you going to do like wild animals, farm animals? I don't know. So I need to decide which say 10 to 12 animals I'm going to choose and in every resource I do I plan for progression and again this is vital in lesson planning in any kind of resource planning you start off <clears throat> with a simple task with the simplest task and you move on to more complex tasks um so yeah so with these ones I'm starting off with just matching pictures and single words or with the days of the week I just did the English days of the week and the foreign language days of the week and just matching them you know they're in the wrong order you just match them up then labeling pictures or I don't know like months and days you can put them in the right order 
And then moving on to short phrases and then moving on to translation from the foreign language into English, which is much easier than then translation from English into the foreign language. So you're gradually progressing, creating slightly longer sentences. Again, remember I'm talking about resources for the kind of the weakest, lowest, you know, lowest level pupils, but within my Key Stage 3 resources as well, that's what I've done. I've planned for progression so that you're starting with a reading task that you, you know, so it's receptive language to start with and then doing the translation from the foreign language into English, then translation from English into the foreign language, then moving on to productive tasks, which are writing and speaking. And as I say, in terms of <clears throat> lesson planning and any resource writing, that's what you need to do. You don't start off by giving, saying, write a paragraph about X, Y, Z, because they don't have the input. So you need to start with the input and progress on until you can then move to the output, uh, which is speaking or writing. So again, another top tip for, my, for resource writing then. So that's how I create my resources. The other thing um, that people have asked me um, and that people are curious about is my choice of document type. Uh, so I do all my resources in Word and the reason, and I have an Apple computer, so I have a Mac, but I still use Word because it is the most universally used. It is compatible for, you know, people can buy it and then download it and use it straight away. I haven't converted all my resources into PDF. And this is from my own experience as a teacher, really valuing resources that are written as Word documents. And this is because I am fully aware that my resources are not perfect for every single person that buys them and downloads them. So I want people to be able to take my resources and use them as a springboard to create their own lessons, their own resources, I know people have created their entire schemes of work around my resources, uh, which blows my mind every time I think about that. It's just incredible. <laughs> it's insane. But yeah, so that basically you, you know, if you if you're a PowerPoint person, then you take my resource, you take the, the, the tasks and you put them into your PowerPoints and you, you know, you. you you can do it your own way. I put, I do everything in Calibri because I know that that's available on every single computer. If you then want to put my entire, you know, the entire workbook into Comic Sans, that is your choice. But yeah, so I, I just, I do it in a fairly simple format and I really hope that whenever people download them, anything that's in tables and stuff like that, I just hope that it, the, the format is okay. But I try not to make it too complex at all. So yeah, I do. I do do table. I do use tables and and photos and things, but they should uh, the format should be fine because it's in a word document, um, which should be compatible with pretty much every single computer. Um, and like I say, Calibri, I just I just quite like it. It's just a quite a straightforward font, and I know that it should be available on all computers. Um, and again, you know, I think people can change it if they want to. So that's why I do that. And that's why I don't do it as PDF, because I know that people might want to cut and paste bits. They might want to take bits out and you can't always cut and paste from a PDF. You can do screen grabs, I guess, you like screenshots. But um, yeah, so that's why I've done it. The last thing that I 
attribute to my resources being so popular is that they're not very expensive. Sometimes I think, oh, maybe if I had put them, like if I'd made them more expensive, I would have made loads more money. I don't actually think I would have. I don't think people would be buying them because even now, when I when I put them on sale, like I sell thousands or hundreds maybe. Um, whereas you know, day to day, I don't sell like loads every single day. Um, but yeah, so my big, you know, I've got workbooks in there that, that are like 70, 80, 90 pages maybe for like £4.95 and people are willing to pay that and I have been told by a lot of people that they would have happily paid twice what they did pay because it saved them so much money. That's not so much money, it saved them so much time. That's the thing. If you want to make popular resources that are going to sell, they need to save people time. Everything I do is time saving. It's not that I am so amazing at making resources. That I'm making stuff that other people can't make. It's that I make the stuff that people want to make themselves, but they just don't have the time to do it. So then they come across mine and go, oh my God, this is exactly what I need. I'm just going to buy it because that's going to save me hours and hours and hours. One of the best reviews I ever had on, on um, TES was from somebody who said, thank you so much for this. Because I bought this, it meant I could spend the weekend with my family. And I'm just like, that is why I do what I do. Do you know what I mean? If you can spend time with your family at the weekend instead of writing a resource that's already there online uh, that I've spent my time doing because that is my job now, basically, um, then, yeah, that's I've, I've done my job. That's what that's what why I do what I do. So, yeah, sometimes, you know, I look at look at things on TES and I'm just like, you cannot charge £2.50 for a single page worksheet. Like, why are people doing that? It just seems absolutely extortionate. I think the price point on my resources, yeah, it might be too cheap. I don't know. But like I say, I've sold over 2,000 of one of my of one of my resources. Um, so it all adds up. And I don't think I would have sold that many if I'd been charging £15 per resource. I don't know. I might have. I might be absolutely late by now. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. You can't you can't tell, can you? Um but yeah, so oh my gosh, I feel like I've said so much. Okay, I'm gonna try and recap my main points. So first of all, start from the end. Work out what you're writing, who you're writing it for, why you are writing it. Start by writing the answers. So write the questions plus the answers, which is probably like in MFL or maths or science resources, then that makes more sense. I don't know if people who are writing history or um, English resources, whether you would create model essays. I'm not sure. Anyway, so start start from the end. Start with the answers. Then just copy and paste the whole thing and delete all the answers. And then you know at least you've got all the answers there. Please always, if you're going to sell resources, include answers. Plan for progression. So start from the most simple receptive skills. So either matching words, recognising words, and then move on to the productive uh, speaking and writing skills. And this is the same in lesson planning, as I've said, or any resource that you're writing. You have to start simple and receptive and move on to more complex and productive. And then think really carefully about what format you are doing you are making your resources in if they look amazing 
you're going to need to put them in PDF because the format is not going to stay. It's not going to, or if you've got a really cool font that you always use, that's your resource and your font, then you have to do it as a PDF because people won't have your, won't have that font on their computer. But for me, the types of resources that I produce and the re- and the way they are used, and I know this because people contact me and tell me and show me how they're using them, again, which I just love and it just blows my mind. I chose to do it in a Word document with fairly simple, but hopefully fairly stylish um, <laughs> formatting and pictures and Calibri font because it's accessible to everybody. And check your resources at least once or twice. Don't write it, shove it up for sale and it's full of mistakes, which is why I say start with the answers because then at least you know that you've got all the answers there and it should all match up and add up. Okay. Oh, I hope I've remembered to say everything that I wanted to say because there is quite a lot and I think in some ways it's quite hard for me to pick apart what I do because I just do it every day. This is my job, this is what I do now. So actually thinking through my process and my thought processes has been quite an interesting thing to do. So yeah, hopefully that's given you a bit of an insight into how I create my resources and and what I do. Oh, and also, last thing, I always do a free sample. So I I always have, except these Mastering the Basics because they're really short booklets and they're only £1.50. But for my longer booklets, like you have to have a free sample so people know what on earth they're buying. Like You can't expect people to spend £10 or £5 even on something if they don't even have a, a sample to look at to know what they're purchasing. Okay, that's that's me and my resources. <laughs> As always, please let me know what you thought. Um, I'm always, you know, I always love to get people's feedback. I've had some such lovely feedback about quite a few of my podcast episodes, which is really good, which is actually making me want to, at nine o'clock on a Wednesday evening, to sit here and record it and talk talk at my computer, even though my voice is going. Uh, it just kind of keeps me going. And it makes me realise, like, uh, hopefully quite a few people are finding these quite useful and and, and helpful so um so yeah so as I say let me know what you think at Kate Languages on Instagram Twitter and Facebook or you can email kate at katelanguages.co.uk if you love all my free content and want to give me money then you can <laughs> you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash kate languages and if not that's absolutely fine just enjoy my free podcast and hopefully it will help you with your teaching um, and your resource kind of preparation and um, creation. So, yeah, until next week. Au revoir, adios, auf Wiedersehen, bye.